Welcome to yet another exciting podcast in the Thought Police series. This has become something that uh, many of you now uh, rely upon for what can only be described as informed opinion uh, and uh, very, you. very uh, ra- rational debate. And, and uh, meantime, uh, it's me, Mike Graham, and him, Matt Kelly. Matt, a very good uh, afternoon to you. How are you doing? Hello, mate. You okay? I'm well. I'm a bit grisly actually. I had a touch of such a food poisoning. Yes. Uh, 24 hours ago. That's and, never um, pleasant, is it? You no, know how it wipes you out, and I'm still in that slightly wiped out energy. Yes, there's, not, there's nothing worse than not having any kind of appetite at all, is there? Yeah. Well, I've just had a banana. Mm. So if if there's the sign of or the sound of somebody projectile vomiting a banana all over uh, the place. <laughs> yes, well, that'll be me. let's hope that doesn't happen. I suppose we've got to start with America, haven't we? Because, I mean, regardless of what's God. happening here, regardless of how uh, Prime Minister's questions have just gone on, I don't know whether you had a chance to watch it, but I thought it was particularly, particularly cringy from Starmer today. But we've got to talk about America, really, because it's incredible um, what's going on there, well, isn't it? I mean, mate, you spent years and years and yeah. years there. How does this? How does the, what's happening now relate in that broad context? Well, I think this is. Experience? I think this is bigger than anything that ever happened when I was there. I was there when Rodney, the Rodney King riots happened. He was the yeah. guy who was pulled over by the police in Los Angeles for a sort of traffic offence, and he ended up being sort of beaten to within an inch of his life. He didn't actually die. Um, but yeah. there were massive riots around that in Lo- in Los Angeles. But I don't remember there being massive riots all over the country in the way that this yeah. has caused, you know, because this incident has so polarised an already very polarised, um, you know, country, which is either pro-Trump or anti-Trump, which is either pro-black or anti-black. I mean, it really has... Yeah torn the nation apart it's very sad to see actually from my point of view because i mean i've still got family there um where my sister lives in connecticut it's pretty well i would say insulated from that but then there will be places like new haven uh, which is a very sort of uh, black inner city type situation Uh, they're probably rioting there uh i was talking to uh, colleagues in new york the other day they're rioting in manhattan uh not just in brooklyn and the bronx and i mean in parts of brooklyn are very sort of um, what you might call gentrified now um, right. And I don't know where it's going to end. I mean, I really don't, because it's always yeah. amazed me how racist America is. You know, people... Well, that... I was going to ask you, is it, I mean, it, it obviously, it's obviously, you know, most of us have probably had a holiday there or stuff like that. And you never pick up really on the true vibe of the culture. And certainly, I, you know, if you'd have asked me, is America fundamentally racist? I'd have said no up until this week. But yeah. now I'm out of doubt, you know. I mean, I suppose it would be wrong to say that, that America is a racist country, but it. But when people talk about racism in this country, I always say to them, if you think this country is racist, you know, you need to go over to America and see what it's like, wow. because what we what we have is a lot of um, diversity in London. Outside of London, I suppose, not quite so much, because most of the um, uh, sort of uh, ethnic minority um living goes on inside cities because that tends to be where the work is but if you go to any american city you know an awful lot of american cities now are completely and utterly just black and we don't really have a black population in this country like that we've got a very mixed race population uh we've got an asian population but you know the the density of the american you know african-american sort of cities is quite stark you know detroit for example um you've got basically um you know, a city where hardly anybody white actually lives. And if you look at the way that those communities were built, when uh, in the early days when people were working in the Ford factories, making cars and all of that, they had a white neighbourhood, which was called Dearborn, right? Believe it or not. And a black neighbourhood, which was called Inkster. You're kidding. I'm not joking. And those two sounds are still there. Right. 
God, and if you go amazing. and if you go to Manhattan, most of Manhattan is white, really, by and large. I mean, they have some housing, yeah. so yeah, sort of housing projects like council house estates, but they're still generally, you know, there's a lot of Hispanic people that live there, people from Puerto Rico. Most of the black people live in sort of ghettoized parts of the city, you know, yeah. and we don't really have Not anything like, like that. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Yeah, it's extraordinary. And what do you make about how Trump's been acting? Well, you know, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm actually feeling a bit sorry for Trump at the moment. And I know you're going to go mad when I say that. But the reason I'm feeling a bit sorry for him is that he's not the only president that has had to deal with something like this. Right. Um, mm. He certainly wouldn't be the first president to order the National Guard in. Um, and he certainly wouldn't be the first president to order in um, a load of troops to control the rioting and the looting. Because the looting and the rioting is the scary thing. You know, I mean, that's happening. My yeah. son, funnily enough, filmed... Um, uh, a, a little video which I put out on Twitter for him. He doesn't really do Twitter. Um, and it's just horrendous. I mean, they've, they've basically laid waste to an entire street. You know, it looks yeah. like there's been a war there and everything in the shop is gone. And there's about 10 shops and he's, he's videoed this thing. It's now been seen by about 90,000 people, right? Um, and it's yeah. just horrifying because he lives in a very nice part of Southern California, about sort of, you know, 15... 20 miles, well, probably not even, 10, 15 miles south of Los Angeles um, in a place called Huntington Beach. Um, and it's a beautiful kind of, you know, Pacific uh, coast neighbourhood. You know, you wouldn't think yeah. that it was in any way violent. Um, but the thing you've got to remember about the, the American police is that they don't take any prisoners. I mean, they're not very nice people yeah. by and large, I think. Um, and they're right. also looking down the barrel of a gun almost all the time because they're assuming that everybody that they're going to arrest is probably armed. Yeah, I mean, it is that point about the cops in America having a totally different perspective and approach is very, very true. Yeah. I remember, I think it was my first trip to uh, to New York and asking a, a, a cop on the street for directions mm. to something, and yeah. the guy just looked at me and said, what do I look like, a fucking tour agent? <laughs> That's the NYPD for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and then he went off, you know, and when you see... Um, when you see some of the things that are going on, the way they manhandle people, and mm. there was a great, uh, great, horrific uh, video I saw on Twitter with a guy shouting, get off his fucking neck, get right. off his fucking neck. And it was, it was a, a, the protesters again, and again, everyone they were arresting, you could see they were just putting their knees onto their necks. Yeah. And it's obviously the way they're trained to do it. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, you can't, there's no, I can't, you hear various bits of police brutality in the UK and there's a, the odd thing surfaces now and again, but this looks like it's systematic, you know, yes. a very hard approach to policing. Yes. And I sent my later, you know, uh, Robert Peel yeah. invented the concept of policing yeah. uh, and that's why they're called bobbies and all of this business. Mm. And he had nine, it's worth Googling, he had nine uh, principles of, of modern policing. Right. And, most important thing that comes through it is is that you have to be policing with the consent of the public. Yes. You know, they the public has to support what you're doing, mm. and I really don't think now uh, the public does support the way the police are behaving in the states. And no. they've got a real problem where it's becoming like almost a militaristic solution to to what should be a, a policing by consent um, situation. Yeah, I mean it's hard to imagine really. Uh, how this guy died, you know, under any other circumstance, if you were that copper, 
surely you would say, look, he's been subdued. He's not causing any danger to anyone. He's handcuffed, or at least he's restrained. He's hardly going to get up from that position and attack anyone. And apart from the fact that all he had done anyway was commit some kind of white-collar crime, which if he'd been white... Yeah wouldn't even have probably caused him to be arrested because, you know, yeah. what well, he passed a bad $20 bill, which he may have not even done knowingly. He might have done it unknowingly, yeah, course, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, at what point do those other three officers not say to the guy, just get off him? And They're also, just standing the there watching when, him. It's bizarre, isn't it? Which I have Listen, I deliberately have not looked before or looked at the video mm. because I, I've got to the point now where, you know, when you... Younger, I mean, you have to because you're commentating on it on yeah. a daily basis yeah. and you need to know what you're talking about. But I've got to the point now where someone says to me, oh, my God, this video is awful. I yeah. just don't want to see it now. No. I don't want to see it because I know what it's going to look like. And yeah. it, they are so affecting. But the, the the idea that, you know, someone's got your neck, your knee on your neck mm. and you can't breathe, then you are going to try and resist that situation yeah. as much as you possibly can to right. stay alive especially if you know situation... especially if you know that this police officer might actually kill you absolutely right and that's the diff i mean this thing about young black men being told by their parents you know how they've got to behave when they're pulled over by yeah. a traffic cop right you know put your hands on the wheel make sure that the, nobody moves you know and yeah. all, don't give them any any opportunity to that is a, an absolute horror story yeah. when you think about what, oh, of course. what does that do to people's psyche? Well, I mean, I was talking to our, one of our regular contributors who works for a San Diego radio station out in, in California, and she was saying that they had a young uh, producer, a young black guy who drove to work in the morning at sort of, you know, 2, 3 in the morning because he was doing the breakfast show uh, in, a, in a BMW, and she said the number of times he was stopped by the police for no reason yeah. other than the fact he was black. She said, you wouldn't believe. Yeah. And he had to put up yeah. with that. And she was like, I've never been stopped by the cops for travelling. And she drives a Corvette as well, uh, probably yeah. quite quickly at some points, um, into work. She's never been stopped, you know. And uh, my, yeah. my son, actually, my oldest son, who now lives in, in California, I mean, I had to say to him at one point, because he had a bit of trouble when he was living still with his mother in Reston, Virginia, which is just outside of Washington, D.C., he was a skateboarder, you know, he hung around with a lot of kids that smoked dope and, and skateboarded and basically didn't do any harm, but were kind of, you know, always skating in places they weren't supposed to. There was a period of yeah. time where the cops were just picking on him and his mates. And I said to him, yeah. you know, you're going to have to get away from there because one day you'll do the wrong thing, you'll say the wrong thing because he's a bit like me and, you know, a bit lippy occasionally. And, I, yeah. you know, I said, they'll kill you because, you know, that's yeah. how I feel about the American police. They would literally shoot you Jesus. for no reason, you know? Um, Jesus and and as hard as that is to kind of even understand, that's that's the the way of the world in 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 in, in, yeah. in America. And so, therefore, if you are black and you're a young black man, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to have more run-ins with the police than you would if you were yeah. even in this country. I tell you what, I did the other day because I, I I rewatched Spike Lee's great movie, Do the Right Thing. Oh yeah, which is I do you, have you seen it? I have. No. Yeah, I like Spike Lee a lot. Yeah, and he's been very visible uh, on the radio mm. around this uh, these days, and, and and visible on the radio. That doesn't make sense, does it? But he's been he's I know been very mean. he's been very audible on the on the yes. radio. But but um, so he says to him, uh, what's reassuring is that he's seeing a whole generation of white kids now coming out to protest yeah. this. And now that I've got mixed feelings about that to a degree because. I think there's a lot of people who are 
you know, this phrase virtue signaling mm. or whatever. I, just, I think there's something about, you know, there comes a point maybe, maybe when white people should just back the hell out yeah. and say, the, this is a huge problem and these are the people who have the right to make this protest. And certainly if I saw a white person throw in a brick through a window to loot a store, yeah. I, would not, I would not be supporting that person. No. I wouldn't support any looting. No, of course not. I, well, there, so was an interesting, like there was an interesting piece of video doing the rounds a couple of days ago where these two women, who you only see from the back at first, all dressed in black, are spray-painting a Starbucks that says with Black Lives Matter, right? They turn around, yeah. and they're both white. And there's a black woman saying to them, what are you doing? You know, yeah. don't yeah. do that in my name, because that's not what yeah. we want to do. We don't want to be spray-painting stuff. Yeah. And they're it's from and, the and these and these, and these girls are literally from Antifa, you know, this rather curiously kind of mysterious and, and slightly sinister organisation, which is all yeah. about sort of destabilising, you know, global economies uh, and yeah. and kind of replacing it with anarchy. Um, and this is the trouble that you've now got these ridiculous because you've got and the trouble with America, of course, you've got the white supremacist types uh, who were in Charlotte that time uh, versus yeah. these Antifa guys who are all as bad as each other, and they're weaponising yeah. all of this, you know. Yeah, and that's what I hope it doesn't become, but I fear it will. Is yeah. that it'll be remembered for George Floyd? It'll just be remembered for the summer of rioting. You yeah, know? and and that, like London, like the London riots, mm. like no one could remember what the fuck that was all about by right. the time it was over. No, of you course know, not. I remember a very funny um, uh, uh, thing going round at the time of the London riots, and it went round into your email inbox, and it said predict where there'll be a riot tonight mm. and then you clicked on the link and it was the jd sports store finder right, right. <laughs> and, and and that 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 you know it does come down to just mindlessness mm. at the end and, yeah. and uh, you know one thing i agree with trump on is that they are literally disrespecting the memory of of george yeah. floyd well i think it's disgusting and i tell you what i hope it doesn't happen here because when i saw on sunday afternoon that crowd gathering in trafalgar square Mostly yeah. white people chanting, you know, fuck the police and chanting yeah. no justice, no peace. I actually put a tweet right. out uh, on the day before Saturday because there, there was a march in Peckham of all places, right? Which, yeah. of course, is very trendy now. And I just put a, 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 I just retweeted it with a remark across the top. Um, you know, plank, meeting, a, meeting of Plank Association, yeah. uh, Peckham yeah. branch. Because you're just yeah. thinking, what is wrong with you? You know, this has happened in Minneapolis, a yeah. place probably none of them have ever even been, right? Um, and I got sort of trolled by a bunch of people, one of whom had a uh, um, a Twitter handle that said Black Lives Matter, uh, which I object to anyway, because all lives matter. You know, one life doesn't yeah. matter more than anybody else. And when you hear yeah. people saying, but, you know, we have every right to tear this country down because we've been discriminated against. No, you haven't. You want to live here yeah. uh, as as human individuals. Nobody has more rights than anybody else. That's what I believe. Um, yeah. And I'm sorry that, that if you have, if you come from a different ethnic background, you've had a tougher time. That doesn't mean you can take it out on anybody else. You know, that doesn't work. Yeah. So yeah. for me, it's like, you know, um, they're supposed to be having another march today. Um, you know, people take the knee in Hyde Park quietly on their own. I have no problem with that, even though to me it's a rather ridiculous kind of virtue signaling thing to do because you yeah. don't have to do yeah. that. I don't need to know that you are not a racist by watching you take a knee. Do you know what I mean? I know you're not exactly. a racist because you're a good guy and I've known you a long time. I don't need yeah. to show people. Somebody said to me, are you going to take a knee today? I'm like, no. Apart from the fact that I never do anything that anyone tells me to do. I certainly don't do anything that everybody else is doing. I just immediately want to run the other way. But it doesn't make me a and racist. 
you'd struggle to get back up. Well, that's the other reason. Of course, thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> um, but, but, the, you know, but your point is so valid because the guy who started to take the knee thing, he got kicked out of the football league. And yeah, got, Kaepernick. You know, he had a real, real personal price to pay on that. Now, yeah. I would say, and you know what, I'd throw in the clap for the NHS on this as yeah. well. I'd say if, if you're not paying a price, then fuck off. Yeah. You know, it's it's it, it's meaningless, right. right? You've got to pay a price for something if you care about it. Right. And you can't just go to Hyde Park for the day and say, I'm not a racist, look at me, because I'm taking the knee. And then you head back yeah. to Dalston, where you've basically dislodged a black family because you've now decided you're a trendy kind of guy that needs to live in a part <laughs> of East London that used to be a place where, where ethnic minority people live. But now you've forced them out because you want to put in, you know, a soy latte bar. <laughs> you know, sorry to use the dreaded stereotypes, but I'm afraid they yeah. are out there. You know, have you been yeah. to Dalston lately? Yeah, I, well, I have to drive through it now and again, and it's, uh, although not for some time, but it's um, it's as described. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm hopeful that, that at some point or other, the looting will just stop. They'll get tired of it. My fear is yeah. that is that the the eighty I think the eighty second Airborne have been flown into Washington D.C. And if they start getting involved, you know, these are the people that train at Fort Bragg. You know, I don't think um, people are going to enjoy that King Counter very much. You know what I mean? The thing that is pissing me off about Trump is him waving Bibles around in front of churches. Oh, I know. And he made a statement in front of the... uh, the Lincoln Memorial, which right. is traditionally off, 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 out of bounds for po- political stuff, mm. and you know he made this statement in front of that giant, giant, marvelous statue of of Lincoln sitting on this on his presidential chair, yeah. and somebody on Twitter said it was the second worst thing Lincoln had ever had to sit through. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is unfortunate that Trump is in charge. But as I say, you know, they were writing under Barack Obama and the fact that they had a black president actually didn't do very much for the African-American um, communities in, in America. Yeah. And largely well, that's, down to, that's yeah. down to the conditions you know, under which they live, the poverty, yeah. you know, the lack of education. You know, there is a middle class black America um, yeah. and, and, and it's quite sizable. And there are, but 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 it's a bit like the middle class sort of black Britain. It's like saying that all the, yeah. you know, there's there's plenty of diversity on the BBC because look at all these uh, black and ethnic minority people who work there. But you know, they're yeah. not really. They've all sort of gone to private school, so it's more of a class thing, you know. Right, right. It is well, a, I remember Obama saying that he didn't want his presidency defined by the colour of his skin, but maybe he should have done a bit more. You know, it was kind of, it was. He had such a groundswell of, of um, goodwill when he came into power. And I think he could have possibly done a little bit more to open up the conversation around racism in the States. And maybe he missed an opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely right. So, I mean, we'll just have to keep our fingers crossed, I suppose, that uh, that more people don't die, that more people don't get shot. Um, but, I mean, people say yeah. this is going to be a kind of a, a, a watershed moment for America. I'm not sure it is, because we've had them before. Do you think that this makes it more or less likely that Trump will get a second term? I think it makes it more likely he'll win. Yeah. I'm afraid. Because Biden was very quiet until yesterday because he's had his problems in the past with things that he said about about the black community and black voters, right? Yeah. Um, And when he did come out yesterday, he made it an attack on Donald Trump, which I think was wrong. I think he called it the wrong way because he'd been better off um, just being the presidential figure and calling for calm and doing what Trump's not doing. If I was his advisor, I would have said, you need to get out there and be presidential. 
And instead, yeah. he kind of picked a fight with Trump, called him a narcissist, played right into his hands. I don't rate. Uh, Joe Biden looks like a total lightweight to me. Oh, he's, a, he's absolutely useless in my view. And he was he was yeah. a, and he was quite useless when he was in his prime. And now that he's just a yeah. slightly doddery old figure who can't seem to tell the difference between his wife and his sister, you know, yeah. um, it, I mean, he would not be a good president of the US. I can't believe they can't find somebody a bit younger in the style of a kind of Tony Blair figure from yeah. from the Democratic movement that could actually galvanise people, you know. It's extraordinary in a country of nearly 300 million people. They're the two best people they can find to run the place. Yes, I know. It is quite incredible, isn't it? But what do you make yeah. of uh, how things are going here? Because I watched, I don't, you, you watched a bit of Prime Minister's questions. Keir Starmer um, starts going on the attack again, which I don't think is working yeah. for him, to be honest. He goes an interview with The Guardian, says that the, 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 the government's winging it, um, and unfortunately announces it on the same day, basically. It says that uh, the new death rates are now coming down so low that they're actually below the average that they were last year in terms of, yeah. uh, you know, not just COVID-19, but everything, right? Uh, he's also yeah. now having a go at the, uh, at the at the government for for being kind of dis, uh, dishevelled and completely disorganised. They don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah. And he then says, "I wrote you a letter which you didn't answer." Right? And Boris goes, "Yeah, but I called you." Which of course <laughs> Starmer doesn't, and he, he just looked like an idiot, you know. And he said, "Well," and, and he went again with this. He said, "Well, maybe if you won't answer the letter, I'll just have to put it into the public domain and uh, let the people judge what it is that you didn't answer." And, and Boris okay. just went, well, we, we spoke on the phone and you didn't disagree uh, with anything I said. You just made him look a complete plonker. I mean, the thing I would say is that it doesn't seem to be... If you ran, if Boris Johnson was the editor of a newspaper and all of those people were his features editors and picture editor and news editor, there would be a double C next Tuesday every, every morning mm. because, you know, they, they're all over the place. But that is not how government doesn't seem to be run in that kind of, you know, professional business like way. No. They all seem to have their own little agendas. And if Matt Hancock is doing X, Y, and Z one day, and and Pretty Patel's doing well just X or nothing that day, you know, they're all <laughs> they've all got their own little. They've got the core message, but yeah. then they're all walking around their own little agendas, and it's all a bit misaligned. And I I, I just look at some of these people, and I just think, do you know what? If you were in a business then you wouldn't be in in the C-suite. Mm. You wouldn't be sitting around the boardroom uh, making big decisions because, frankly, I don't rate you. Yeah. You know, you, you got a feel for people and they they just look like they're busking yeah. in half the time. Well, you know, I wonder, I wonder if it's this, because you know how Boris is always described as a guy who likes to surround himself with, with decent people? And maybe yeah. um, the problem here is that he has surrounded himself with decent people, but he's in the midst of what is a very, very unusual situation. So if it was a normal kind of world in which we were living, you know, the government would be probably ticking along, running fine, you know, nothing much yeah. being done in a hurry. But suddenly they're faced with this worldwide pandemic, right? And, and yeah. they look like they don't know what they're doing. Now, that may well be the case. It may well be that they don't know what they're doing, but I wouldn't blame them for that because I don't think anyone knows what they're doing. No. That, I, 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 listen, I've got every sympathy in the world for, for where we are, and I'm not one of these people jumping on the wagon saying you know, this is an outrage and you've screwed it up from the start. But I do, this this particular time, when we've when he's relaxed the lockdown to a significant degree, and by the way, everybody seems to have just taken that as the lockdown's over. And, you know, the, the sort of amount of traffic I'm seeing and people on the street and all of this business has, has gone up significantly, I think. But, you know, 
I question now if there's a second wave uh, that hits us in the autumn and the winter, and that will screw, by the way, a lot of businesses and a lot of people will will die uh, because it's it's going to get compounded by the the existing flu problems. So the NHS will be even more under the cosh. If that happens, I think at that point then people will look back at these weeks and say, you should never have relaxed the lockdown like you did. And that could be very damaging for him. It could. And I think part of the reason why they did, and I think I've said this to you before, uh, they did the lockdown when they did it was because they couldn't politically uh, countenance having dead bodies in the streets and, and, you know, trucks taking dead bodies away like they did in Italy because that really looks awful, right? However, um, that means that they did the right thing um, because they didn't allow the NHS to become overwhelmed. But I spoke to a doctor this week who basically said um, that the virus is definitely on the way out. There's no European countries at the moment who have reversed um, the lockdown and who have come out of it, who have had a second peak. Spain, I think, for the last 48 hours has had no deaths at all from coronavirus, right? right? And Italy's in the same boat. And so he he predicted, he said there won't be a second peak. He just said there won't be. Um, Because the the, the virus has now kind of spread to... um, uh, to such it spread itself so thinly, if you like, that if, even if you now get it, it wouldn't be as bad as if you got it in the middle of April right. when it was stronger. You know what I mean? So, right. I mean, and I think they ha- there has to be a balance. They have to. And they've been under great pressure. Don't forget to to lift the economy out of the gloom as well. So, yeah. So they have to do something. This is why my theory about Cummings and his trip being completely and utterly uh, staged and leaked by him is that everyone in the <laughs> country has now decided it's all over. I mean, I was, yeah. I was, I was went down to Sussex at the weekend uh, to see the kids and the dog, and the traffic jams were where they used to be before the lockdown. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, and I mean, the beaches are all full. Do you see Bournemouth Beach? You see those idiots I at do. Durdle Door jumping off the cliffs? Yeah. I mean, you know, talk about Darwin's, um, you know, um, <laughs> method. Really, card of mice. And, you know, people jumping off the falls in Richmond up in Yorkshire. I think, you know, McDonald's is opening this week back to, you know, there's a lot of pubs now in London um, who yeah. are now serving... Um, basically serving drinks uh, to take away uh, where yeah. but 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 right next to say a park and people are just going to sitting in the park and drinking it's like being That's in a beer right. garden you know my so my fear is is that we will all go back to how, exactly how it was and nothing will change because it's all too baked into us but i think there's so many so many good things that could have changed you know or should have changed or and i still hope do change right. but um but yeah my fear is is that Human nature being as it is, maybe in six months' time we'll be looking back and, and it'll all be exactly as it was a year ago. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, because it came upon us very quickly. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you look at places like Italy, you know, clearly it's not the same as it was, but there are people walking about, they're sitting down in piazzas having coffee with each other. Um, you know, yeah. if you look around other parts, of, I mean, I was talking to my sister in America, you know, restaurants are opening up there uh, on an almost daily basis. Um, you know, there's never been a lockdown in places like Florida. I'm not saying this is an example because who knows. Yeah. Um, but I think in the end, we will see that every single country ends up pretty much at the same place everywhere else is at, you know. The economy's yeah. damaged, yeah. you know, the same kind of death toll per million people is happening yeah. because in the end, it's the virus that, that gets you. Um, but don't yeah. forget, the vast majority of people who get the virus, um, are not in any way really even hurt by it. 
how did the um, how did the Spanish flu in the uh, in 1918 or whatever it was? How did that end? Do you know? Do you know that's a good question? Um, I suspect just like this one is, is and will end, um, it, yeah. it peters out. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I said to uh, a doctor the other day, of course, I'm going to claim credit for this theory. Right. Um, I said to this doctor, um, is it like a hurricane, for example, when you have a virus like this? You know, the hurricane's very, very strong. It's got huge, you know, 200 mile an hour winds. But when it hits the land, when it comes off the Atlantic and hits North Carolina, suddenly it slows down and the wind yeah. becomes a tropical storm. And then it peters out to such an extent that by the time it's crossed about 100 miles of, of the mainland of America, it's not there anymore. And he said, yeah. that's a very good analogy. Um, I've never heard it explained like that. But he said, that works. And that's kind of what it's, what's yeah. happening, I think. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you maybe, you know, again, and we've said this before, maybe we'll look back and think it was all a massive overreaction. And I, think, I, think, I think a part of me thinks that now. But I yeah. still understand why they had to do what they did. You know, the Swedish yeah. model, which Peter Hitchens is always banging on about, you know, they're now saying... We, we actually think we probably didn't do the right thing because they've now got oh, really? a death rate which is as bad as ours. But they're saying, right. and but, and their economy, to some extent, hasn't suffered as much as ours, but it's still suffered because, yeah. course, you know, nobody's going anywhere. Yeah. You know, and it's all very oh, well saying, oh, but the restaurants are all open. Yeah, but nobody's actually going to eat in them. Yeah. Think about all those frozen meatballs in Ikea's everywhere. Well, Just did you see the queuing? Up. I mean, I'll tell you yeah. what. I don't know what's going on with the, this country, but uh, one of the other things I did last weekend was the, the previous weekend I noticed on the way home that they'd opened a, a drive through Burger King. Now, I don't normally yeah. go to Burger King, but I thought, you know, I haven't had a, a fast food hamburger for eight weeks. So I yeah. said to the kids, I'm going to bring you some Burger King. Right? Um, and so I stopped and I went in the drive through and it was like, literally like five minutes. I thought this is going to be ages, right? But there was no queue. Five cars in front of me. I was in and out in five minutes. But did you see the yeah. queues for Ikea? When they reopened no. Ikea, people were in line. No. People were in line, I kid you not, in the car park for three hours. <laughs> I mean... What were they buying? Well, they weren't buying meatballs because apparently the meatball section's closed off, so they're not, the, the food section's not open. The, the cafe's not open. So presumably they were buying those really annoying Billy bookshelves or something. I just don't know. Well, well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. What would you wait three hours for? to get into an Ikea to buy. I, 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 nothing. Nothing. Well, there. listen, I wouldn't wait three hours to do anything. I just, I hate queuing. Yeah. You know, if I get in a traffic jam, I immediately, it drives uh, my kids and, and their mother mad. If we we hit a traffic jam, I immediately, I'm taking evasive action. I don't care how long, how much longer it takes me to get somewhere, <laughs> but I have to be continually moving. If I'm yeah. stuck somewhere yeah. without moving, I can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. So, you so might yeah. Have a, you might have an adult ADHD. Well, like I, me. well, I think I have got ADHD. Funnily enough, my older son, uh, the Californian one, was diagnosed yeah. as having ADHD, right? Um, yeah. And unbeknownst to me, when um, he went to school, because one of the rules they have in America, which is what I don't like about going to, um, you know, the state-run system, is that if you're yeah. diagnosed as having ADHD as a kid, you're only allowed to attend the school if you take Ritalin, which is the... Really? Uh, yeah. You're not allowed to not take it. Uh, you, they, if, they, if you say I'm not, I'm not giving that to my son, uh, they say, well, you'll have to go to private school then. You right. know? It's God, the way, the way they run it, right? And I didn't find this out because I'd got divorced from, from the, his mother and it wasn't yeah. very you know, pleasant. And so she wasn't exactly sharing any of this information. But as a result of me having to go after her in a court because she tried to stop me seeing the kids, we found all this out, right? And it turns out yeah. she'd gone to see um, you know, whoever it was that diagnosed him with ADHD 
And we got the papers back, and it said when they asked her, you know, is there anyone else in the family that, that has it? She said, I had it. And I was like, hang on a minute. I've never been diagnosed as having ADHD. But it went yeah. down in, in, in black and white as if I had somehow passed on this, this ADHD to him. Well, I'll tell you what, mate. I mean, I've, I now realise, look back at my school days, and, you know, I'm a smart enough fella, uh, but I couldn't sit down and study. Mm. So academic, I got my O-levels. That was fine. Yeah, I was, I was actually the same. Yeah, and I think, and and so I know for a fact that I have got ADHD. Really? And for, yeah, and from time to time I take um, a, uh, a medication called Elvance. Okay. And if I need to, if I, which is like the sort of new version of Ritalin. Right. And if I need to, if I need to sit down and concentrate and do a piece of work that's going to take four or five hours right. of concentration, then that lets me do it. It's like flicking a switch on. So how does it feel though? So do you before you know that you need to say take that? Uh, are you anxious? Are you kind of fidgety? What are you? No, it's it's just not being able to... You suddenly feel super motivated mm. to do stuff and to get something done. You okay. know? That, that's the difference. Rather than what I'm normally like, which is sort of, you know, I, I'll be engaged, like, brilliantly for 20 minutes and then I'll get bored and I'll go and do something else or I'll think about something else. And so I've always been very good at that kind of big sort of top level thing but when you get down into the weeds of things then my my mind is wandering but if i've got to be over the detail of something then this thing is it's like magic so what i'd say to parents if mm. you've got a kid who you think might be adhd but you're worried about medication mm. i think that the analogy the guy used for me was he said it's like um when you get old and your vision starts going, you yeah. get yourself a pair of glasses. Yeah. You know, it, it's, your vision's not coming back. Get yourself some glasses and that solves the problem. Yes. And for me, for me, the, this uh, Elvance Med is, uh, does exactly that. Right, okay. Interesting. So I've never taken anything for it, you know, but, but my experience at school, very similar to yours. I mean, I did O-levels. I remember being told by my careers officer at the Cardinal Vaughan Grammar School for Boys that if I didn't get yeah. five O-levels, I'd be a dustman. Uh, to which I said, yeah. well, I, don't, well, I wouldn't mind being a dustman. I said, it looks like quite a good job. You work in the morning, you have afternoons off, um, and you probably get paid pretty well. And he looked at me like I'd gone mad, you know. Um, and I actually got four O-levels, right? So, so I didn't oh, even make the fifth one. I took nine, got four, managed to get yeah. into a, a FE college to do four, and then I did four A-levels, and then I went to university, but I didn't finish the degree. Um, yeah. But I've always been useless at studying, you know, absolutely hopeless. Yeah. Not well, I look me. back now and I, I say to my kids, you know, it's not that they're listening, but I say to them, you know, this period, the opportunity to go to university and study something you're interested in for three years yeah. is, it's unbelievable. Even, never... even if it's only sex and drugs and rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. But, but I would love now, you know, if I lost my job or something like that and I couldn't get another job, I would really like to go back to university. Go, go, go to you. I never yeah. went to university. Did go you not? to university. No, no, no. No, I got one A-level in geography, and that okay. was it. Yeah. Well, you haven't done too badly. I mean, you know where Argentina is because you've been there to work. So, I mean, I would I say have. blow off the yeah. old uh, the ge geographical um, uh, uh, sort of equivalency and just enjoy yeah. your life, you know? Well, totally, totally. But I, it's an interesting thing as well. When you leave school... As an underachiever, yeah, you, there's something about you, I think, that wants to constantly go on and achieve. Yes, you become, you become very, very uh, keen to prove to yourself. I think yeah. that you're 
that you are the person you hoped you, you would be. You know? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I've definitely got a chip on my shoulder about all these kind of overqualified academic types who think they're brilliant. As yeah. I just look at them and yeah. go, well, you might think you're brilliant, mate, but you can't beat me in an argument, you know? Yeah. Um, and so uh, maybe there's something to that, you know? Well, I remember um, Piers's mate, Martin Crudis. Oh, yeah, was the lawyer. Was the lawyer, and now... Now uh, is chief executive of a bunch of race courses. He is, yeah. I run into, I always run into him at Piers' party. And he always says, yeah. "You must come racing with us," and I never Very do. Good it. Very nice guy. Yeah, and I remember him saying to me, we'd had some arguments over some story in the mirror, and he said. Matt, you're very well balanced. You've got chips on both shoulders. <laughs> yes. Well, typical scouser, some people would say, but then it wouldn't yeah. be me saying that, obviously. Well, listen, I think we've come to the end of another glorious podcast, so um, enjoy the rest of the week, and um, yep. we'll see you in a week's time. Take care, everyone. Take Stay care. Safe. Cheers, mate.